this morning. God, I thank you that you pursued us, Lord, no matter where we were, that you came and you found us. You picked us up out of whatever mess that we gotten ourselves in and continue to do so, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord, that you go before us, Lord, that you always make a way. I was buried my rebellion, lost without hope of redemption, blind with my need for a savior, oh what God, and crushed by the weight of my failure, living the lie I created, I 
Lift up a shout of praise to the Lord God. Woo! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, unto thee. How great thou art. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, how great thou art. Woo, guys, that's so powerful. Y'all mind if we sing that just one more time? Is that all right? I mean, like, can we can we do that one more time? Look, you guys are just staring at me like I'm. I don't know what's going on. Like, is that all right? Can we sing this one more time? Let's. let's do that last okay. When Christ shall come, come on. We shout of acclamation and take. Joy shall fill my heart. Oh, Lord Jesus. Then I shall bow. Standing in the throne room in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Oh, Lord God. And there proclaim, my God, my God, how great thou art. Come on, church, let's sing it loud. Sing it proud unto him. Then sings my soul. Oh, my God.
lift up another shout of praise to him this morning. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all go ahead and take your seats as the ushers come forward. We're going to receive our offering as a part of our worship. How great thou art. How great thou art. Four words written even in the midst of the greatest of angst, turmoil, and pain. And yet the understanding, the leaning into of how great thou art. It's moments like these where uh, as we're receiving tithes and offerings, as we're receiving what we give back to God, it's, it's even in these moments that we have an opportunity just to lean into him, even in the hurt, the turmoil, the pain, the struggle, trusting him with the blessings that we're looking for. We talked these last few weeks about being blessed, and look, it, it starts here in the understanding, the knowledge of who he is and, and why we worship him. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to give, to give back into what it is that you're doing right here in this community, right here in our people, Lord God, touching, changing lives, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would continue to inspire us to live, to believe like the gospel changes everything, Lord God. And inasmuch, we'll see your kingdom come right here, right here in this place, in this community, in this county, in this state, Lord Jesus, in this country, in this world that we live. Father, help us by just reaching out to neighbors first. We thank you for your blessings, and we lean into you for everything. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, guys, as they pass those baskets, I'm going to give you all just a, a couple quick announcements. First and foremost, if you're a guest here, um, I don't want you to feel obligated by any means as that bucket passes in front of you. Let it pass. Let it walk by. Look at the usher and say, I ain't doing that. It's okay. They may take offense, but, but they'll be all right. I'll talk to them later. Um, listen, if you're a guest here, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. This is, this is CF Paris. We love to worship God, and we have reason to do so, and we're going to share reason with you, hopefully. Um, but, uh, but be welcomed here. There's a card in front of your seat back that says something to the effect of new here. If you're willing, we'd love for you to just be able to write out in quick note your name, some way for us to be able to reach back out to you. We're not going to pound you with emails or, or, or send spam or anything like that. We just want to thank you for being here. So if you're a guest here, again, thank you. You're, uh, you're welcome. You belong. Um, guys, I, uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, I, I came from, I came from a, a church background, but it, it was, there, was some, there was some church hurt, some things that happened in my family's life when I was really young. Really, really young. I don't remember any of it. Don't worry about it. My parents ended up looking around. They had been involved in ministry, but they were looking around, looking for somebody that, that they could just kind of step back from ministry that they were doing and just kind of start receiving from God. Uh, I was maybe, gosh, nine, somewhere around there, maybe 12. Long time ago, thank you. The point being, my parents ended up at a church down in Harlingen, Texas called 
Christian Fellowship Church. My parents being mentored underneath a man, Ron Corzine, also called Corzine in North Texas. It was back that long ago that a relationship developed that I, I had no clue would come full circle. God took our family off. We, we had a phenomenal time. We moved up to Colorado. I moved off to Louisiana. I moved out to Australia. I moved back to Colorado, fell in love and moved to Kansas. Uh, and it was at that point that there was a, just a, a desire, a burning. I tried, I tried going into the, the non-ministry field. But I, I knew that God wanted me to be in ministry, and yet I, I fought it. I did. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. I, I knew I needed to make money. and I, like, I, There was a lot of struggles that I was dealing with, but all the while I, I knew my heart was pounding. I had to be in ministry. I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. It was killing me. Me and Melissa talked, and in blind faith, we moved down to South Texas, back to a church called Christian Fellowship Church. It has been an honor and a blessing now to serve this Christian Fellowship Church for over 10 years, serve at that Christian Fellowship Church for 10 years, and all of that all the while. Yes, thank you, thank you. But all of this all the while serving underneath a man who continues to just pour out. Guys, there is there's so much freedom found in authority. It's scriptural. There's freedom. We fight God all the time. These, we talked about it these last four weeks, this be blessed. We fight God all the time because we, we think selfishly, but, but there's something about authority. I'm going to call Ron Corzine up to actually preach the message. I'm just introducing. Um, but I, I, I want you guys to know that, that this man, I, I, I refer back to him during times where I'm preaching and say, you know, I, I talked to Ron this week. And it's something simple, and sometimes I think it, it kind of almost just flippantly gets thrown out. But I need you all to recognize and understand that, that this man right here uh, has overseen me and what I do. He takes me to the woodshed when I need to be taken to the woodshed and edifies me and builds me up when I need to be edified and built up. I'm excited, I am honored, I'm blessed to be able to introduce you guys this morning to our apostle, my pastor, and my dear friend, Ron Corzine. If you will, sir, can you come up and share with us this morning? Oh, wow. That was something, Corey. You, you make me want to hear me. <laughs> 85-year-old Morris was out at a restaurant one evening with a beautiful woman half his age. The next week, he went to the doctor's office. He had an appointment, and the doctor said, hey, he said, uh, Morris, I saw you out the other night at a restaurant with a woman half your age. And Morris said, well, you're partially responsible for that, doctor. He said, how's that? He said, well, I remember you telling me what I needed. I needed to get a hot mama and be cheerful. 
And the doctor said, Morris, that's not what I said. You misunderstood. I said, you have a heart murmur, be careful. I don't know how long or how many cultures in my past have experienced this in people and even God's people. And it has to do with discontent, dissatisfaction, even among Christians. We know that we're to be satisfied in Jesus. He is the one who satisfies us. But there's a, a lot of times that discontent sets in because we know what we ought to be and what we ought to do, and we're not what we ought to be. We're not being what we ought to be, and we're not doing what we ought to do. And that discontent sets in, and it's very possible today that you, you could be here and you you're find yourself discontent with a lot of things. If you, if, you, if you keep that, what'll happen, that'll bleed over into your relationship with the Lord and you'll become discontent and dissatisfied with God, with your walk with God. You'll become dissatisfied with church. You'll become critical, judgmental. Discontent is not a good thing. And if you find yourself you have it, the best thing to do I know is what the Bible says. It's called repent, which means you change. You have a transformation. You have a change in your heart toward that attitude. Here's what, here's what I've learned, uh, and I think you'll bear witness with it. What, what I've learned in life is God wants to transform us. God wants to transform us. He wants to change us. But what you are unwilling to let God transform in your life that needs to be transformed, you'll transmit it. I'll give you time to write that down. Because that's exactly what happens with people. They get discontent. They get dissatisfied. They become judgmental. They become critical. And that just doesn't stay inside of them. It comes out. They transmit it to other people by refusing to let God transform them and satisfy and bring satisfaction to their relationship with him. I may, I may make the Guinness Book of World Record today. You may ask, how are you going to do that? I may preach the shortest sermon you've heard ever in your life. <laughs> and you're thinking, you mean you've been preaching all these years <clears throat> and you don't, have any, you don't have any more to say than just a, a few minutes? Well, that's, that's, that's part of the problem is I've got too much to say, and my wife tells me, she said, you know, Ron, bad doesn't get better longer. <laughs> and I finally picked up on what she was trying to say. I need to improve my sermons, and they may be able to last a little bit longer. But uh, I, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you today. And then I want to make about three statements, three comments, and I'll elaborate briefly on each one of these. And uh, I'm telling you, these are, this is worth writing down and going back over because it's just truism. There's truisms, and they're true. You can't deny them. 
That's what a truism is. It's true. It's always been true. It's always going to be true. And the truism comes from Jesus, from God, because he is the way and the truth and the life. Let me read in 1 James. I don't even think I gave the guys the scripture to put, but just listen up, okay? In James chapter 1, verse 2 through verse 3, James says, When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your life, don't resent them or try to run away from them like they were intruders. Welcome them as friends. Realize they serve to produce in you the quality of life and endurance that you really desire and need. I don't know any, I don't know, I don't know if I know any Christians who are, who are not trying to run away from something. Something in my past, something I've done, something I've thought, something I've said. Uh, because, because we are humans and we do fail and we do sin. So therefore, what sin and disobedience does within us is cause us not to run to God. Usually it causes us to run away from God. Trials, tests, tribulations, hardship, difficulty, pain, grief, sorrow, all of these things are part of life. That's true. Not only is it true because God says it's true, it's true because we all experience it. We know it is. Not a person in this room who has not who will not or who may not be even at this moment experiencing some of those things I just mentioned, hardship, pain, difficulty, discouragement, grief, sorrow, all all of these things. In fact, Jesus said, uh, John 6, 33, Jesus even said it. Listen to this. In this world, that's where we live, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus promised it. You can't get around it. You can't get away from it. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Therefore, because Christ lives in us, when troubles and trials and tribulations come our way, we have a mentor, one who has gone before us, who knew no sin but became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And he said, you're going to have tribulation. And this is the way I respond. And he had tribulation. He had trials. He was persecuted, right? But he overcame. He, he didn't give in and move to discontent and gripe and murmur and complain. He said... On many occasions, one I'm thinking of, not my will, Father, when he was going through difficulty, pain, sweating, drops of blood, so much pressure on his system. He said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. I've not always wanted God's will done in my life. I may have mouthed it. I may have said I did. But sometimes, (laughs) this is hard. I know this, 
I'm going to hit some walls here. Sometimes God allows, can you handle the word allows? Rather than say God does this to you, God will allow, he will not necessarily always protect you from things that are painful and things that hurt and things that are difficult. And the reason he doesn't protect us is because he wants to perfect us. You can't, you can't be perfected and be protected at the same time. So, therefore, the walls come down and God allows for you to go through things. And, and if, you, if we all would be real honest, we've been through some things and we're better people for it today than we would have been if we hadn't have gone through it. I, I, usually, I usually don't learn a whole lot during the good times. Most of the things I've learned, I've learned during the difficult times. When we didn't have money and I had to trust God. When the children weren't being obedient and I had to pray more than normal. God's trustworthy and he's faithful. And when I'm faithless, he's faithful. And that's the way that God is and what God does. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, and I'm not going to read or go there, but just you might want to it because it is very encouraging. I just don't want to take the time to do it because I'm trying to make the Guinness Book of World Records. And right now I'm already behind schedule. But it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great chapter. Basically, Paul discovers who he is. And people say, what about your freedom, Paul, this and that? And Paul said, look, I want to be where I am. Being in prison is not a bad thing. He was put in prison. He didn't have freedom. His freedom was cut off from him. And now he's in prison. And, and Paul says, no, I'm right where I need to be because here in prison, I'm going to encounter people who are incarcerated who won't voluntarily listen but will have to listen because they can't go anywhere else. He had a, an, an audience, a cap, captive audience. Whatever I'm going through, whatever you're going through, we have some options. Again, complain, murmur, gripe, blame, whatever. Or we can do what Paul did in Philippians chapter 1 because he concluded by saying, whatever the circumstances I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice. Now, that preaches good. When everything's going well in your life, there's money in the bank, there's food in the pantry, the kids are obeying for once. All that is good, but when all that hits the fan, you know, it, 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 things turn on you real quickly. Can I rejoice in grief? Can I rejoice in difficulty? Can I rejoice... In all of these difficult, hard things that I'm going through, Paul says, yes, I know how to be abound. I know how to abound. I know how to be a base. In all things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice. So here is the three points of this Baptist preacher's sermon. You got it? Every good Baptist preacher has three points in a poem, and I don't have a poem, but I got three points. How's this? You ready? Write it down. Number one, a truism. Life is hard. 
I don't care who you are today. There's not a person in this room having experienced difficulty and hardship. And if you haven't, well, you have. That's all there is to it. I, I can't even go there, can I? Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life's not easy. Life is not for sissies. Life is wonderful. It can be very, it can be really wonderful because if you remember, I've come, Jesus said that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So it can be abundant. It can be joyful, but, but life can be hard. And, and I'm going to say that most of us have experienced and many today are experiencing hardship and difficulty, whether it be in your marriage, with your children, with your job, with your finances, your relationship with your friends. See, all these things come into play to determine how we feel about life, whether it's hard or whether it's easy. And I'm, I'm a believer because I'm not going to deny it. I, people get on to me, you need to make positive confessions. I, I understand positive confessions, but also I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I believe things are going to get better if they're bad for you right now. But I'm not going to disavow the fact that things are not better yet. They're going to get better, but they're not better yet. It, it's difficult. It's hard with what I'm facing, Brother Ron. But you'll get through this. I'll, I'll never forget the time that I was preaching, and I stepped off the platform at the end of the service, and a man came, and he was unlike most men because we don't cry in public but I could tell his eyes were red and it, it wouldn't have taken very much for him just to burst out in tears it was, he, he came all the way to the platform and he wanted to be separated he didn't want anybody else to hear or see what was going on with him emotionally and he looked at me with his back to the congregation he said she's gone I said what he said she's gone she left me I couldn't really feel his pain. I, I want to be empathetic, but I'm here I am standing here, and he's looking to me, and he says, she's gone. She's not coming back. She's finished. It's over. And I remember the only words that could come out of me, and I said, you'll get through this. Notice I didn't say you'll get over this. There's some things you're never going to get over. You'll carry the memory to your grave. You'll never get over it. You'll get through it, though. And I said to him, you'll get through this. And I prayed for him. On the way home from church that day in the car, I had this conversation with the Lord. And I, you know where you, you hear the Lord talking, but it's your voice. You know it's the Lord but it's you, you, you hear it asking yourself the question. And here's what I heard the Lord say to me. 
And it was really, it probably was more me than the Lord. So in that phase, if you know what I'm talking about, have you ever had that kind of experience where the Lord's talking, is this me or is this God or is this the devil? You're trying to decipher who this, who this is that's talking to me. And I heard these words, what gives you the moral authority to tell somebody that they'll get through this? And that lingered. That just sat on me for a little while driving down the road. What gives you the moral authority? What gives you the right? Who are you to tell somebody that they'll get through that? What makes you think you know they're going to get through it? And so I had that inner battle going on about the moral authority. And then I just had to say, it's all through Scripture. I'll go with you always even to the end of the age or time. I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. All these scriptures begin to come up that tells you and tells me, and it told me on that day that, yes, they will get through it because God's going to be with us to the very end of our life here. So let me say point one again. Life is hard. Anybody agree? It may, oh, it may not be hard today. It may not be difficult today. But in your, throughout your life, every one of us have experienced some hardship and difficulty. So let's just go ahead and face it. Life can be hard. But my second thought to go along with that, if I'm going to keep positive and scriptural, life is hard. My point, too, would be, yes, but Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So look, whatever, his lordship is over me. And I kind of put it like this sometime, I throw it out. Since he's seated already at the right hand of the Father, having finished the work on the cross, I, I say to people, whatever's over your head today is under his feet. Whatever's too big for you today is not too big for him because he's bigger than whatever big has come into your life. Whatever difficult, whatever pain, whatever hardship, all suffering, grief, whatever it is, he's Lord. He's Lord over it. Doesn't take away the feeling necessary, but it does, it does let us know that these are just feelings and just emotions. It's not really the truth of the way things are going to be. And the way they even may be that I'm not feeling right now. Look, we, we're, we're creatures who live a lot by our emotions. We, we live out of feeling a whole lot. Well, I, this is the way I feel. This is the way I feel. And I, I'm the same way. We're feelings creatures. But feelings, when it encounters truth, has to bow its knee to truth. Because Jesus is Lord over all. Remember, everything that's over your head is what? It's under his feet. So point number one, life is hard. We all agree. What makes it bearable, Jesus is Lord. Ultimately, he's in control. And then my last point is, if life is hard and Jesus is Lord, what's my response? 
the same as Paul's. I will rejoice. Look, you can, you can, you can moan. You, my, we used to have, I don't know how, but my folks used to, word, used to use the word bellyache. You can moan. You can bellyache. You can complain. You can do all of that, and it won't change one thing. But I'll tell you what will change you from the inside out. And that is when all of these things that you could complain about, you say, I will rejoice. I don't understand this, Lord, why I'm going through this. I don't understand why. I, I don't know why. I don't. We have all these questions that surround why this happened and why we're going through this and why we don't have enough and why this and why that and why this. We can do that all day long. But I, I have a hard time getting God to ever tell me why. You may say, hey, God, why is this? I, I don't even know if I ever remember God telling me why to any question I ask him. It's like, it's not going to change if I told you. I've, in fact, he said, I've already told you. Rejoice. Rejoice in all things. Give thanks for everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is God's will? All the things that happen to us that are difficult, God's will in that scripture is rejoicing and giving thanks. Rejoice and give thanks in all things for this. What is the will of God? In all things? Is all things the will of God? No, I don't think all things in my life are the will of God. But I do know what is the will of God. Giving thanks and rejoicing is every time. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I actually enact that scripture and I practice it, it actually works. <laughs> Life is hard. Jesus is Lord. I will rejoice. It's a conscious decision that we get to make. You get to choose. Nobody can keep you from choosing, rejoicing. Some people can stand in your way and try to rob you of your joy, but they can't if you've determined in your heart I will rejoice. I think that's all I got to say. I asked Corey for permission. I don't know if I had to have it or not, but I asked him because I'm a kind gentleman. <laughs> I'm really excited and the staff is as well, that for the next five or six weeks or so, that Corey Melissa is going to go and take, after 10 years of service here in this place, a sabbatical. That's a, a rest. That's pulling away. That's, uh, the Sabbath is a time of rest. It's a day of rest. And uh, the staff so graciously... Uh, agreed, we all agreed together that after 10 years, we wanted, we wanted them to take a sabbatical to rest. Now, let me say this to you, because they're not going to be here for the next five or so weeks, maybe six, I'm not sure. I think it's a five or six, one or the other. It's neither here, there, here or there for you. Here's what is not going to happen, I pray. You're not going to take a sabbatical. 
Because we don't really come, I know, I, know, I know the concept behind it. We don't really come to the Lord's house for Corey. Now, Melissa does. <laughs> Not really. Y'all get my point? When, when we're giving, we're, we're, we're releasing him, he and Melissa and the family, to go after 10 years and just get away for five or six weeks with no pressure of having to prepare a sermon, a song list, a counseling, or anything else. This is a gift from God through you to them. Uh, and I, I thank you that you're going to be as faithful as you always are and have been. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, here's something I can do because of who the elders and the, the leadership and Corey has allowed me to be here. He, he's already defined that. What I want to do, if, if, if they're going to take five or six weeks, I want us as a church to show our agreement by honoring he and Melissa. Now, I'm going to explain that to you, Okay. The Bible says, honor the Lord, Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your substance. Substance. You can, you can pay respects to somebody with lip service. But God says you can't just honor them with lip service. You honor them with substance. Something that you've got that you can give to demonstrate outwardly by an action that we honor you. Already we're supposed to respect and speak right words. But the Lord says honor them with their substance. I'm going there. I want us to receive an honorarium. Okay? Now let me explain something. I don't need to explain. You probably know. But there, there's a, the scripture talks about tithing, which is the first tenth or the first portion, the first tenth of our income, that's a tithe. And as Christians uh, who are obedient to the Lord and understand Scripture, we give the first part of what we earn to the Lord. It belongs to Him because we honor the Lord with our substance. We tithe to the Lord. But honors is different than His salary. A workman, the Scripture says, a workman is worthy of his hire. You work 40 hours. You ought to be paid for 40 hours. That's, that's what we do when we work. We work and we get paid. But honor's different. Honor is not what we do because of what he does or what they do. Honor is because of who they are. I honor the Lord because of who he is. So honor is, honor is tied to who a person is. I honor my mother and father. Not, it says, <laughs> honor your mother and father, the scripture says, for this is right. What it says in Ephesians 6, honor your mother and father for this is right. You know what it doesn't say? Honor your mother and father because they are right. Mothers and fathers are not always right. But what is right about mothers and fathers is because they gave you life and breath and let you live and fed you and maybe sent you to school or whatever. 
We honor them because of who they are. Got it? I say all that just so we can, because here's what I know. At all these years in ministry, I know people think, why do we want to do this? But, Corey, they get a salary. They work. Yes, they do. But this is not a salary. This is honor. We're going to give an honorarium for their 10 years of service because of who they are to us. What have they done? What has he spoken? What did she say? What have they done that would cause you to say, you know what? I want to I show honor. And in showing honor, it involves substance and it involves an action. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm so excited already. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to have you just give some thought. If you need to talk to your spouse, I want to receive an honorarium for them of 10 years of service here at this church. Not only give them a sabbatical away, but some, actually some money so that they can enjoy their time away. I hope you feel the same way. Because usually, however we feel about others, and however we treat others is the way sometimes people are going to treat us. Let's bow our head. If you need to speak to your spouse, if you need to get your checkbook, if you don't have either, if you can even find a piece of paper, you can do it online even, by the way. You can do something online. Just say, Corey and Melissa Honorarium. I'm going to have the ushers, if they'll go ahead and come. Is Will around? I want us to do some, I want us to sing here. And then after we receive an honorarium, I'm going to, we're, we're going to pray. The leaders are going to pray over them. And so if the ushers will go ahead, you're going to start from the back or y'all come from the front. I'm not sure how you do it here. Come ahead. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for this body of believers known as God's people who celebrate together at CF Paris. I pray for every individual in this room today, whatever their needs are, I pray that you'd meet their needs as well as they even give to others and give of their life. I thank you for the time together we've had today, and I pray that when we leave here today, we get in our cars and we drive away that we'll remember all week long and never forget that even though life is hard and Jesus is Lord, we can rejoice in every circumstance and situation. We bless you. We honor you. We give unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one moment.
Corey family, why don't you come? The Gregs over here, the two Gregs, if we could have you guys come, if you will, and your wives, if they're with you. Brandon, your wife, y'all stand right here. What we want to do is we're all going to pray and send them off to enjoy a sabbatical, and they're going to have a great time, and we're going to have a great time. Even without you, we're going to have a great time and rejoice. Amen. Why not you do this? One of the ways we can extend blessing is with words. Sometimes the hand is an awesome way. It's kind of an approval when you lay your hand on somebody, pat a boy on the head or stretch your hand towards someone. Would you mind stretching your hand toward the family? And we're going to pray right now over them. And as I pray, find yourself agreeing, even maybe even mouthing the words yourself in a prayer. Father, we thank you for these gifts that you have given us. We thank you for the Jones family. Not just because of all they do, but we thank you today because of who they are. Thank you so much for giving us these gifts. Lord, we pray that as they take five or six weeks, that you'll just bless them and refresh them and renew them, strengthen them, encourage them, Father, that you'll just lift them up and they will return totally renewed in spirit, refreshed in heart and mind. We bless them today. We thank you for them. Yes, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be a blessing uh, to our pastor and his family. We love them, and we send them out with, with great joy. Father, we pray peace over their lives. Father, we pray rest over their souls. We pray stillness over their minds. We pray healing for their bodies. We love them, Lord. We look forward to their time away as they receive from you, and we look forward to their time coming back. Thank you, Father, for this church body and all the people here. Thank you for the love in this community. Thank you for your many gifts and your many blessings in our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. As we go from this place, we remember you. We look to you and your strength, and we seek your face always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together. Put your hands together. Show a little appreciation for who God has made them to be. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Feel free to come.